Old Buster. I could just carry my like <laughs> whatever. We're live. For the first time ever. <laughs> well, as a duo, the first time ever. First time for me. So today, I guess we just wanted to talk about whatever comes up. That's just sort of how we work. We always seem to have interesting and mind-opening conversations that just happen. So I figured for our first episode, we might as well just do that. And we kind of chose the world in general as its current state is for this discussion because I didn't want to limit ourselves to one thing and we have nothing to say. So, what is your most honest feeling about the world today, Christine? Oh, you should probably introduce ourselves because you probably have no idea who we are. I'm Sam. And I'm Christine. We're married. Sam and Christine. And it was a, I don't know, very interesting way we met. Craigslist was the way we met. But neither of us had ever used it before and had only used it once for dating reasons. And it was just like, like magnets. It's the best way I can describe it. Past lives and all that shit. Probably. Probably. We've had people come up and just tell us, like, you've had past lives together. <laughs> so... Now that that's out of the way, there's a face to a name. What are your most honest thoughts and feelings about the world in its current state? Um, I think right now, there's, it's like a different time, but people are still running these like old ideas, <coughs> excuse me, running these old ideas about how like the world is and a lot of people seem to have a victim mentality, which does not do anybody any good. And they have a lot of emotional issues, a lot of mental issues um, that are pretty much the cause of everything. So that's how, that's what I think. That's what the, the whole problem with the world is, right? Problem with the world, huh? Yeah. Our challenge, not really a problem. We're just sick. Like like a like we need to get better. Like we're it's an illness, but it can be cured. Yeah, I can see that. I see it as more of um if you want to get real deep, a mission or set of lessons that we put in front of ourselves to test ourselves, not only as individuals, but as a whole. Like our soul put this. Yeah. Because I am a believer that nothing happens for no reason. And so all of this has a reason for it. It's just down to the individual and the whole to figure out 
what we need to change, what we need to learn. But unfortunately, pain is usually the best and quickest medium for achieving those things. It's true. Because when you fall down, it hurts a lot, and you don't want that to happen again, so you're mindful to next time, whatever happens, you know. But I agree. There's a lot of inherited emotional, physical, and mental Issues. challenges and diseases that are just being passed along without much in the way to heal it. Make sense? Mm -hmm. That's just right. Yeah, I think that's a bit of both. So, going there, what, where do you think we're going? That's a good question. As a whole. Um, I think that we're going to probably get worse before we get better. <laughs> Why? Because even though people are experiencing the pains and all that stuff, they still are not learning what they need to learn. So they're continuing the cycle of um, like causing pain or stuff like that. And just like, while at the same time blaming others for what's going on in their lives. And it's just kind of like creating a vicious cycle of like misery and pain. And um, so it seems like a lot of people are really slow to learn that they should do the opposite, that they should take responsibility for their lives. And they should just love each other, even if they hurt, if somebody hurts them, you know? So in that way, I mean, you know, since it's taking people lifetimes to finally learn that, if they learn that, then that's why it's going to take a long time for us. Generations and generations? Yeah. But couldn't you also say that it could change? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that some people are getting better. Some people are figuring that out. And they're stopping the cycle. But I think that there's probably more people being born <laughs> and, you know, not figuring it out. Yeah. So it's like a little too much, too many people that it's slowing everybody else down, I think. So it's just, I mean, like, you know, people are making improvements, but there's people also like continuing all of that. So it's just like almost stagnant. Maybe it's getting a little better. I don't think it's getting really worse per se, but with like the environment changing and all that, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. I am inclined to agree. <laughs> with, with the amount of people being born today and the system the way it is, and the general 
a sleepness that I think most people are sort of slumbering in definitely indicates that to me things are definitely still going the way we're going which is to me obvious destruction to put you know a word to it but there are you know like you said people who are starting to awaken to the cycles in their lives and within them and it's causing shift people say that a lot shift but it's true and i think that um also i'm not sure if this is applicable or not but there's lots of pe other people who think that they're actually they think they're doing one thing but then really not doing it in reality they're kind of going the same way it's like a delusion that's true. i can name a few people but i'm not going to <laughs> and i'm not saying i'm not guilty of that either in some aspects but some are it's just worse than others <laughs> it's not easy to change true. at all humans just don't like it and i think that well Things are going to get a lot worse before they get a lot better. I mean, we're sort of at like a teeter, teetering point. Like, when it becomes too much to stop. I mean, there's like, what, over 6 billion people? Almost 7 billion? Like 7 billion people now living? 7 billion people. Billions. It seems like a lot of things are at the teetering point. Like, are, uh, like the United States economic like state mm -hmm. uh the the environment that we depend on for all our food and everything um I think that was mostly it that i was thinking of well i mean there's all you know all aspects of the world that we live in are sort of kind of going the wrong way but you know as i was watching Interstellar the other day you were with me it was uh, it was a very believable future you know running that out of food running out of food and destroying the environment to the point where we couldn't and can't even produce the food that we need but you know the whole the food writing and all that shit Forcing people to just be farmers. Yeah, forcing people. I mean, at that point, it's sort of like, don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It's like I I believe that movies and TV shows and works of art are subconscious expressions of the individual and the greater subconscious of humanity and beyond. They're like snippets of what could be. Maybe what has been before, or wisdom, or wisdom, just in general. I believe that it's everywhere. You just have to look for it, essentially. And I think the movie was trying to say something, but you know, it's probably just a good. Oh God. Most people probably just view it as a 
cool thing, but cool sci-fi cool movie. Cool sci-fi movie, but I don't know. To each their own. Yeah. But I would have to say that um. Yeah, I think we talked about that a bit. So, what about, I don't know, most of the people that I've known that have had spiritual experiences, experiences or more enlightened, you know, awakenings, had something very traumatic happen to me. Like who? Well, all the people who had near-death experiences, that was pretty traumatic. I would go so far to say as the thing that happened to me was pretty traumatic. Why don't you share some of it? What? Your The Kundalini experience? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the Kundalini experience happened while I was in the Marine Corps. And prior to this Kundalini experience, I never even so much as thought about anything metaphysical or spiritual. Literally, I was about as normal, like, unconscious, unconscious middle-class American as I think you might possibly be able to be. And then I had experimented with psychedelics quite significantly. And that sort of kind of opened the mind to a greater realm of possibilities. And so it it paved the way, essentially. But still at the same time, I wasn't really, I just thought it was cool colors, patterns, concepts, and all that stuff, but nothing literally metaphysical. And so someone introduced me to DMT for the first time and I never, I haven't done it yet, but the whole concept about the pineal gland and the DMT, the spirit molecule, and I read all the experiences from other people, and that led me to the chakra system. There was a bridge for the first time, and then the chakra system, particularly the third eye, I was fascinated by it. I couldn't, you know, it was just consuming my life at that point. And did I know you at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I knew you were here. Sorry, it was the whole point was a big point. Yeah. And so I um, looked up a meditation, did the meditation, just involved me breathing into my forehead and visualizing, you know, energy going into it. And then it was on my car on a lunch break after I'd gone for a run. And then I tried once for 10 minutes. It didn't work. Tried again. I could feel pressure here the entire time, like an immense amount of pressure. It felt like I was just poking my forehead or poking my brain more like it. And then on my second try, after about 10 minutes, it opened. I literally heard a pop inside my head. I started seeing all these crazy little pinpoints of light. And then I saw a violet flame burning about right here in front of my face with my eyes closed and I and then um, saw a very pair of feminine 
eyes appear on the other side of the flame. And at this point, I kind of freaked out, pulled the towel off my eyes, and just sort of stood there for a few minutes going, what the hell did I just do? And then slowly after that, my consciousness started to raise. I became more aware of myself and my connection to the natural world. Um, I started to see spirits, which really scared me. That was that was really scary because I would just close my eyes, and then after a few minutes, they just seemed to flock to me like a moth to a the combo of a candle or a, like a spotlight, and then. You know, I really had no idea what I was doing. And then, so after a few months, I meet a couple people who I'm attracted to, and we, they help me kind of figure out where I am in life. And then, what happened? It was like a, a few months between the third eye opening and the Kundalini experience. But... I had sort of, I don't know, I had intuitively been working with my guys during this point. And I was telling them, I was like, I kind of want to keep up this momentum of this spiritual inner crusade that I was on. I was meditating every day and I was having these crazy visual experiences and going places and all this other stuff. And then I was sort of urged, my wife was, you know, we had, we had marijuana in the house. And so I was like, well, I was, I was getting urged, like, hey, you know, if you smoke the marijuana and do your meditational spiritual practices, something will happen. That'll, this is, it'll be like, it'll give you what you want, so to speak. And I was like, okay, plain and simple. I was just like, fuck it. And so I smoked the weed, did a meditation that um, involved me meeting my higher self. And it was just like I was actually there. I just went up to this mountaintop. We were in this mountain range. And there was um, me or my higher self. It was just me but bald, and was wearing um, just white clothes. And I walked up the stairs, and then there was like this round granite pedestal on top of, you know, the peak of the mountain. And he was just sitting there, just watching out. And I get up, and I stand next to him, and he just looks up to me, and he goes, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I just nodded and said, yeah. I mean, I'm here. I mean, I might as well just jump off the mountain, essentially. And he goes, okay. And then that scene disappeared. And then another scene of me um, and him sort of merging, just two of us, just whoop, in the middle. And then at that moment, I just felt like a cork popped off the top and something started pouring in. And then you know, I started shaking. I felt energy just surge all the way through me. All the chakras were like. Were you always like shaking? Oh, I was shaking. I was like this on the bed, going like, "Whoa, what's going on?" <laughs> and then at the time, I didn't know this was a kundalini. And then all the chakras sort of felt like fireballs, little turbine engines, 
burning away whatever was there. And it came up at first from the top down, and then it came up from the bottom up. And they sort of met in the middle somewhere. But it was particularly these three that I felt it in the most. And um, it would happen for about four to six hours every single day when I would get home from work for a little over a week. And it got to the point where I would come home and I would just sort of feel like a metaphysical and putting their hand on my shoulders and pushing me down to the bed saying, lay down and get back to work. And then I would just lay down and be like, okay. And then it would just happen again. So then, then by the end of the first week, I was just like, you got to slow, slow the hell down. Like, this is a lot to take in. I was tired. Like, I was just like, oh, here we go again. And then I was like, slow down. I was like, just slow down. And then it slowed down. It just like, I felt the intensity drop about 75%. And then I was like, this is way better. But then I just felt like if you do this, it's going to take forever to finish. And then I thought about it. And I was just like, I just intuitively knew, like, damn it, you're right. I was like, all right, just get over with just as fast as I can, like, without killing me. Literally what I said. And then it, you know, the intensity ramped way back up. We started shaking again another four hours. And then the last time it happened, you were with me. You remember. <laughs> that was crazy. That was like, um, I don't know. It was like I came home and you were like seen through me. <laughs> it was the hardest thing to describe ever in my entire life because what, what what was happening was so I don't know up there. It was like I could see through my body. I could see through her. I could see all the organs, I could see the nerves, I could see the energy flowing, I could, I, I just thought about something, and I instantly knew everything about it, and I was just sort of blasting off into the cosmic mind of everything that is, and experiencing it all at the same moment, and being like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing in the world, and then I'm trying to tell this all to you, and you're like, you're fucking crazy. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you understand me? And then I was just like, oh, shit. It dawned on me what was happening was I was just being, I was so high up there that I totally forgot about what's really important, where I'm at right now. So in a sense, in a sense you grounded me, like. I probably would have ended up in the loony bin if you hadn't have been there. Because they'd just be like, "Everybody, I know it all. It's okay. I got this." And they would have thrown me in a fucking loony bin. So, at that point, I made a conscious decision to sort of stop what was that was going on there, and to just pull myself back down into my body because it was weird. It was like there was a part of my awareness that was in my body, and I could see my surroundings but then there was just the infinite everything else that made it impossible to function so in essence you saved me oh. and then um yeah everything's changed since then it could kind of mellow out 
I started, my, my intuition like quadrupled. I started drawing energy, reading it back to people, tarot card readings. I mean, you were like a natural. Oh, it was, it was the first time I pulled out a card. I was just like, boom, it was there. But, anyways, that was just, that was just my experience. It was pretty, very, 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 very fast. And I was still in the Marine Corps while this was all going down. So it was, I thought it was going to make the Marine Corps easier, but it only just increased my sensitivity. And if you don't know anything about the Marine Corps, it's probably like, not the worst possible place you could be for that, because it was obviously worse, but it's relatively speaking, not conducive, not conducive to that type of experience. Because it's extraordinarily negative. The materialistic. materialistic, you know, people are just heavy, <laughs> very, very heavy, and, unconscious. and very unconscious and negative, cruel, hateful. But I survived. I learned a lot. Now I'm trying to figure out how I can like help people with that. Just haven't met anybody yet. Not yet. But anyways, that was your experience. How I am <laughs> why I'm here today doing this. At the pretty much at the same time when like Sam was telling me all these things that he was learning and whatnot. And I was working at a company where we were like it was like it was basically a startup and it was like growing really really fast like way too fast and um like in my eyes they were making tons of mistakes that was just like making things worse and um sam actually met this woman online like on spiritual forums like that's what it was called and she was offering free Reiki healings. And like, I don't think we even really knew what Reiki was at that point, but we we're just like, hey, why not? <laughs> free readings. And, and then so we emailed her, well, I emailed her and then um, asked for a reading and she said, sure. And then she typed up like what she did when she, uh, she, did, she did a healing. She lived in like the Midwest of the United States and she um, she just like meditated and imagined each chakra and, and made sure like it was looking right, it was healthy and whatnot. And, um, and then once in a while she would see like a flash of an image or like a movie. And for me, she saw, um, like a, a movie of this woman, this young woman who was like talking to coworkers and she was complaining about work. And she basically she recited verbatim what I had said to two other coworkers, like that happened maybe like a week before. And she said she didn't know it was me or anything. She just was describing what she saw and there's you know there's no way she would know this because even he didn't know what i said and 
um, uh, what did she say? Or what was I saying? <laughs> she, uh, she, uh, oh, she said that, like, this woman was the source of my unhappiness. So then, like, that's what I realized, that, like, I'm the source of my own happiness. And, you know, that's what, like, psychic is. It, it was, like, totally different from what I thought. I had been anti-religious. I was an atheist. I didn't believe in astrology or tarot cards. I thought that was all bullshit. And, and then that just, like, opened up my eyes. And I was like, whoa okay, <laughs> there's, like, that's, it's totally different from what I thought, so, like, ever since that point, I realized that there are, like, real psychics, but, it, um, you know, there are bullshit psychics and whatnot out there, but, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very, like, scientific-minded, I, I need proof, so, that was proof to me, even though it's an anecdote and like scientific people don't think that anecdotes have any value, but that's, that's bullshit because like sociology, uh, um, statistics, that's all like based on anecdotes, but it's just, you know, like studying multiple anecdotes. So for me, it counts as evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and um, after Sam like opened up his third eye, I wanted to try. So, <laughs> so I I did a meditation. He actually told me not to. I can't remember why. It was probably because of his experience. But I, we both didn't really know what we we're doing anyway. So. <laughs> I just did it anyway, and I remember meditating and just concentrating on opening my third eye, and I remember like, like in the, the blackness of my my vision, I suddenly saw a whole bunch of like like flashes of images of like um, black and green images, and it looked like it was it was like a spotlight. Um, kind of thing illuminating an image so it was like it looked like a scene like I remember there being like almost like a room but I could only see like a part of a furniture piece so um so it's like and it happened so fast so it's not like I could figure out what it was but it looked like you know something familiar like a like a bookcase or something like that so I just saw like a bunch of images and I was like, whoa, that's weird. And then ever since then, um, like if I close my eyes or if I'm in a dark room with my eyes open, I can see like, like a color spotlight energy thing. Like it's a really subtle color, like it's kind of just blunt, like barely noticeable from like the blackness of, of my vision or like the inside of my eyelid kind of thing. And it would be green, violet, or red. I think that's it. Those are the only colors. And like 
um, sometimes it would kind of move around my vision like like that, or it's like a reverse kaleidoscope where it like goes from black to color and then disappears and then goes back to black and like I don't know what that means. <laughs> and uh, this woman that can see electromagnetic magnetic fields, she told me it was my mind, but I should have asked more questions about that. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I could pretty much like bring it up on cue now. Um, and yesterday, actually, I started seeing like, um, like typically it's just kind of like a soft like shape, you know, like a form. But um, but yesterday it was actually like everything was a fractal and it was constantly changing. So that was really interesting and cool, but I don't, I still don't know what it means. Hmm. So I think it has something to do with my pineal gland because I know that's, um, like it doesn't, you know, the pineal gland only activates when it's dark. So obviously it makes sense if my eyes are closed and, or I'm in the dark. Makes sense. <laughs> Are you done? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know what else. He's gonna get back on the topic. Okay. Now that we've shared our little. Oh, thoughts. the world in general. <laughs> so, the world in general. I think that people are in for. A bumpy ride, to put it politely. I feel that just the system we've created for ourselves just is going to collapse. But I don't know to the extent. I just know that's going to happen. Not, and not all at the same time. A series of events but I also believe that nothing happens for no reason and I feel that a lot of people in this world know it's coming but are maybe maybe using it to their advantage to control as opposed to you know liberate or at least like protect themselves but not like try to help anybody else mm -hmm. It's like, um, you know, a butterfly, a, a, you know, a caterpillar going into a butterfly. The caterpillar, you know, creates a cocoon and then basically just, it just, it destroys itself. It turns it just into like a big goo in there. It's just the caterpillar is destroyed. And then out of that goo, you know, the butterfly is created. And then, you know, struggles to get out and then flies away. We're like in the cocoon phase. And did you know that at any stage when a, like a butterfly is trying to get out of cocoon, if we ever tried to like help the butterfly, it will die. So it like has to struggle out of the cocoon by itself in order to survive. So there you go. Where 
that's probably why there is no intervention from outside sources because they know more than us what's going on they're like these people down here on this rock on this organism that is the earth if they they are in that make it or you know do or die phase of their existence and if we can't make it we don't deserve to be here plain and simple so there's certain people who have that awareness that have a sort of responsibility to do something about it but they don't have to but I feel the responsibility to do something about it. Me too. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I guess it's the key. I have an idea. But it's in the cocoon phase too. Oh, your, your ideas? Yeah, ideas. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know, being, being an example is about the only way I can think of it. Just can't tell anybody what to do. Yep, doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> I have experienced. You can't yell at somebody and say, "Listen, you fuck, you're an idiot." <laughs> you gotta tone that down. Yeah. You gotta tone that down. <laughs> but I mean, I just feel that we're in for some pain. Growing pains. Growing pains. Very big growing pains. And I always encourage people to do something to prepare for anything, like a tornado, hurricane, whatever. But especially like looking at people during like the Black Friday deal. Oh yeah. Like I can't imagine like they're so crazy about buying <laughs> presents. For Christmas for people I can't imagine like how crazy they'll get if like you know their survival food. dependent on it yeah. yeah like food or water and yeah people like our grocery stores and like the whole system that America is dependent on it's like it's just like barely enough food to just like last for like you know like just in time kind of food. So we go through food and water so quickly that it's like if something bad happens, then we're fucked. Very fucked. <laughs> well, those who aren't prepared. Are yeah. Fucked. Which is pretty much the majority of people, unless they're farmers with a well and and animals and stuff, but hardly anybody's like that anymore. It's most like most of the farms are all like big, huge monocultures. So they grow mostly corn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, there's lots of people all over the world that are working on solutions. But it's yeah. like, it takes so long to implement things and it's usually the more expensive to do, so they don't adopt it. And the ones that do, it's like completely insignificant in proportion to the amount that's not. So that, you know, if something were to go wrong, and there were still these like sustainable 
programs in place, it wouldn't be able to keep, it would just collapse. Collapse. It's like it has to uh, be a business before it becomes like a public use kind of thing <laughs> for like new technologies and stuff because it's so expensive and there's no real interest in in making those things happen unless somebody can profit from it. So what's what draws the line between? Well, I guess that's not the correct way to say it. There are people who who are very big business owners that are not selfish, greedy, and power hungry. Yeah. They may be power hungry, but they're at least, you know, conscious and they're trying to help things. Yes, they're trying. Trying. But it still has to be like economically feasible. Yeah. Because otherwise it's just a charity, but even they have to make a profit to survive. I mean Well look at I mean this goes on topic, but look about look at um Valve. What about Valve? They are the greatest video game related company ever, in my opinion. And what is that? Because they just give people what they want. It's just, <laughs> they just know who they're going after. And they're not, their goal isn't to just make, or maybe it is to just make as much money as they possibly can, but they, still they could probably make a lot more money. But, you know, they earned my trust and love, which is really hard to do as far as businesses are concerned. I'm the kind of guy who, like, if I detect any sense of just, like, greed or just ignorance or anything. Or if they... If Soon. Running out of things to say. Okay. Is it Becca? But as I was saying, the world has the potential to change for the better. And at any moment, we can decide to change. We can decide to completely stop what we're doing and to adjust into something else. I guess we technically couldn't completely stop, but we could definitely make a huge conscious effort. I mean, think about the millions of tax dollars, billions, trillions that are going towards blowing each other up when we just put that into fixing our fucking selves. Actually, I think most of the money is actually going to pay off our debt to the U.S. or, or to the, um, what's the shit, I can't remember. You know, the, the money, who makes the money? Federal Reserve. Yeah, the Federal Reserve. Like, that's where most money goes to. But it's like, it's literally impossible for us to pay it off. Pay it off. Yep. So, that's basically, yeah, the, the, U, the, whole, the entire U.S., like, as a whole, is just slave to this corporation whose product is our money. <laughs> And like, yeah, that I think that's the source for a lot of issues out there because 
inflation keeps going up and other countries have to like keep up with that and some of them just can't. So um <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's a whole another issue, but yeah, the the military industrial complex is definitely not helping. It makes it very well, the medical industrial complex. Yeah, it's like um, the U.S. government has an incentive to um, keep those that eco those economies like going. <laughs> It's pretty obvious to us, but it's probably obvious to most people too. But I don't know. Everyone's content with the way things are. They just accept it as the reality. We have our computers, we have our iPhones, but we also realize that you can't attack Rome <laughs> at the front gate. You have to be sneaky about it. I really with the Occupy Wall Street movement. They were they thinking snuffed, too small. They got yeah. snuffed out. Don't even get me started on the Occupy Wall Street movement. <laughs> they fucked that up. Tell us how you really feel. They were all screaming and bitching about their own individual complaints. There was just a big, loud roar instead of one voice. And so they got what they deserved, in my opinion. What they were most of what most of them were, you know, protesting against was perfectly legitimate. But since they all each had their own little complaint, no one took them seriously. I didn't take it seriously. I thought it was a joke, huge, huge joke. They just weren't. I don't know. There was no leadership. Zero leadership. And. I think that people do need a leader in those particular types of situations to sort of at least unify, unify them over something. I mean, look at Gandhi, fuck's sake. That happened because of him, pretty much. But a lot of people in that movement don't like to think, they like to think that everyone's a leader. When it's like saying everybody's beautiful, yeah, but it's like beautiful only like is reserved for people who are like like surprisingly like more attractive than everybody else. Otherwise, they wouldn't be beautiful. You know, like everybody has beauty in them, but they're not beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But I think that any attempt to try to protest our way out of this situation is going to test our resolve more than anything that it ever has. I guarantee it. Look at, um, I mean, people are going to get shot. People are going to die. It's going to be like a war zone. Just look at the Middle Eastern countries, like Egypt. They all pulled together. They were all shouting one thing. China. You know? Tiananmen Square. 
And to think that our government wouldn't do that type of shit is uh, ridiculous, in my opinion. I just feel that. It's like the only difference. Our country's a little naive about that type of stuff. Like, our government would find ways to justify stuff like that. You know, like, um, like they're creating laws just for like uh, the. So, like Obama can detain anybody for any reason for any length of time legally because they, for no uh, reason yeah for no reason and there would be like no like court system or anything no due process no. so it's like technically he would be able like the president would be able to just do that sort of thing but he would be legally allowed to so. Um, so like people like actually, you know, like rationalize it, especially if they're like, like removed from like, like the situation and stuff and like removed from control. They're just following orders, you know, then it's really easy for, for them, for people to just do crazy things like that. Mm -hmm. That's happening all the time. It's so there's so many people and there's so many like very specialized jobs and like like if somebody like say a military personnel decides not to like shoot people anymore, then it's like that person will be sent to jail because he is um you know like being like like what do you call it again? The, like, yeah, so it's like, even though he's, he's, like, he was ordered to kill a person, he's still breaking a rule, and that would, like, like, people would rationalize that and say, oh, you are a very bad military personnel, and you must be punished for that, so I'm going to uphold this law because that's my job, and so there you go. Go to jail. <laughs> well, I mean, most Americans are okay with people killing other people. Which is insane. I think that's <laughs> justified to kill anybody for any reason. You know? Especially if they're Muslim. Well, especially if they're Muslim and American, yeah. It's been ingrained in I think a lot of people's minds that Muslim Muslims are bad. You know? And that, goes, that goes way back. Way back. <laughs> yeah. Still there. I know a lot of people are Anti-Muslim. Yeah, but they would never admit it. They would only yeah. say, "Oh, I'm only anti-ISIS." Yeah, or like anti-extremist. <laughs> well, you know, that's the type of thing that I'm not sure about. Like, how would you, how would you change that? Make them aware well, of it. Well, make them aware of it, yeah, but it's like, Be honest with themselves it's like the only thing that a lot of people watch is what's fed to them, you know, through the news or the opinions of others, you know, that people who can influence them, like their parents or their close friends, you know, it's just, or like someone's just gotta be feeding out the different, more compassionate version of life. I that's guess. what we're trying to do. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah.
amazing at work. Uh, it's just people who are just hard on themselves and are most of the time are just like, I look at them and just, oh, about after five minutes of just being with them, I know that all of their problems are from just their outlook on life, their perspective on themselves and their life in general. Like, I could not tell, I work at a grocery store, I could not tell you how many people just hate their existence because they've got to stock shelves. Like, it's the hardest thing that they've ever had to do. And I understand that, relatively speaking, it might be, but... I mean, in today's world, with the technological age we live in, we can see what's going on at every corner of the globe that has an internet connection. And I, it blows my mind that how someone can sit here and be like, my life sucks, but these guys obviously have it infinitely worse than I do. But back to what I was saying, you know, people at work, I'm just, I just try to remind them, hey, you know, it ain't so bad if you really think about it. And I offer them, you know, like this could be like this. You could have no food. You could be poor in concrete. You'd get paid more, but <laughs> it still would suck. It's harder on your body. Very hard on your body. <laughs> but it's just I every little thing that anyone can do helps. It goes like I say, it's like a spider web. And Every tug you make on it affects every web everywhere to a greater or lesser degree. And just being who you are resonates outward and it affects people. Obviously, you can increase or decrease the impact it has by what you do and say and whatever, but the world needs more of that. And if you're watching, ask a question or something, like anything at all. We're running out of things to talk about. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get some water over here. Okay. I think that um, it was really interesting when I found out about Dr. Bruce Lipton. He was a, a stem cell scientist that realize that like stem cells become like a brain cell or a skin cell only when you you like make the environment like conducive, conducive for you know or like to to influence it so like he realized that um you know like cells only become a certain way based on their environment and then he realized that you know that affect that's that's like people too because um like if somebody like like people who go to jail like in the you know the most the worst possible jail that you always hear about on tv and stuff everybody that goes in there end up becoming like like they start thinking like all the other criminals and then so when they come out they're like they're Nazis or like they're Bloods or Crips or whatever. It's because they're they're just in that environment and they they're forced to learn and think like everybody else in order to survive in there. And then so they've just become a criminal 
they become like they start thinking like a criminal. So then they like go out and start like stealing or killing people or being, you know, racist towards people and then they end up back in jail. So they just keep going back and forth. So it's like like it really is our environment that determines our outcome. Who we are? Yeah. Becomes who we are. Well that that's the hundred percent. Well, yeah, yeah like I it, mean, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it definitely affects everybody. People can make choices, but it's really hard not to because, Especially like, if you're in that extreme of an environment. Yeah, if you're in that extreme of an environment, then it's like, and you're so engrossed in it, then it's like almost impossible to to escape it. Yeah. And then you become a statistic. <laughs> So, I guess the best way to change the world is to just be the change you want to see, and everyone says. Yep. To make the conscious effort and to be, I think the most... WTF. I don't even know. Okay. It keeps restarting uh, the browsers, shutting off for some reason. Anyway, I think that one of the biggest things that people can do to, to change themselves is just to become more aware. So doing whatever it takes to become more aware of yourself in all sorts of different dynamics and different time scales and stuff like that. <laughs> Should that be the topic of our next talk? Next like how to episode, become, wherever the hell this is. How to become more aware of yourself. Or just or, just the whole like your environment shapes you. Sure. Or are you like, you know, that's it. Yeah, sure. We'll do that. But on the micro and the macro, I see it as the same thing, just different. You know what I mean? And I think that, well, I mean, we already said everything that I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's coming into my head now. But there's a lot of different, like, Things that we can, you know, use. What do you mean? Like tools, like movies, video games, um, this. You know, people. The internet's the the main thing now. People want to be like the people that are in front of them more often, like movie stars and musicians and all that type of stuff. And I think that the more people that can get out there and show good examples of how what it truly means to be human, the better. Because right now there's a short supply of them. I'm not saying that there's most all of them are bad. I'm just saying that it's a little heavy on the negative side of things. The wrong kind of people are getting 
famous. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, for very odd things that I just don't understand. But it's changing slowly but surely. There's like a race. Like the negative stuff's like going still and the positive stuff's kind of trying to catch up. But it just, I don't know, depends on the people. And we're willing to get out there and do it. It seems like there are a lot of people that want authenticity and, you know, like something deeper, but they aren't sure what it is yet. Makes sense. They don't know what it looks like. Yeah. I don't know too much. I mean, I used to watch TV and shit all the time, but now it's just like, I don't know, it's painful. It's like nails on a chalkboard yeah. watching it. Just a lot of things today have become painful to watch. I mean, just commercials, those are always painful. But, except for one of the old Spice commercials, actually had me rolling on the ground laughing. It's so funny. Those are cool. They make me laugh. But as far as authenticity goes, I have found more of a lack of authenticity within the spiritual community than I have anywhere else. You know what I mean? That's true. You said that in the military, people are the realist. Yeah, the realist. realist you can ever be. <laughs> the, so the Marine Corps actually. was the, the most realist, authentic experience I've ever had with. Um, people. There was no filter on what you said, thought, any of it. Whatever you were thinking came out and people, there's just a mutual respect for each other and that respect was, you know, be yourself. And if you're not yourself, we're going to belittle you and berate you until you're crying, until you do. And so eventually you come, just come to the point where you're just, fuck, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to I don't care, you know, and you just are who you are. And as soon as you are, it doesn't matter who you are. It's like, okay, we're cool. You know, I don't give a shit who you really are. I just want you to be that person, not to be somebody else. Well, at my work, um, <laughs> you can tell HR uh, that somebody bothers you, even though you say that you're your your friends with that person and you lie to them and say, oh, you didn't. Uh, like bother me at all and then that person gets in trouble because you lie and deceive them and if they make you feel comfortable and it's okay if you do that it's perfectly legal actually it's encouraged to be like that which irritates me <laughs> as you can see <laughs> like HR should be encouraging like honest communication and like you know like like they should encourage people to um to solve problems instead of just saying okay you just need to stop being who you are because you're making this person feel uncomfortable even though that is on them yeah well, it ain't so bad at my work that's for sure. I just. It could be. It could be, but everyone, you know, we actually work. 
you know, physically. So I think there's a little bit more of a... Yeah, mine is more of an office situation. Yeah, so that's, that's we, no we spend a lot of time with each other and there's a lot of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And mine is even that bad because mine is mostly filled with guys. It's in the entertainment industry. So it's like people are just... And we're all artists, so we're... Or most of us are artists, so it's just like a lot more open-minded in general. And I've worked someplace else where it was smaller and the women there were even worse. So I'm not that irritated by it, but it's still like, I expect more from people. I expect them to act like adults if they are adults. It's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like I'm surrounded by kids sometimes and I'm only 26. You are surrounded by kids. <laughs> and some of them are older than me. It blows my mind. Never really grew up. It's not. I can see it in their eyes when I see like people. I'm like, I'm, I'm staring at a child right now. <laughs> it's just. It's like, I guess what we have gone through ever since we woke up spiritually, we went through some crazy life changes that were just really mind blowing and really drastic and I guess it toughened us up a lot and made us grow up we faced tons of fears like things we feared the most and like our nightmares became reality and we survived and now we're like eh, we can handle anything <laughs> yeah losing a business losing your house because of the business um, basically just losing most of our stuff losing all of our stuff yeah virtually. losing all of our money all of our money Every all of our second. stuff having to move and live, stay with my we were i mean it could have been way worse obviously but yeah had a lucky we were Gosh darn it. Why does it keep doing this? But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we could sit here and complain about things all night. Yeah, yeah, we kind of complain that, you know, we don't have any money and we, we live, we pay so much for rent and blah, blah, blah. We're but, super fortunate. Yeah, we are. I am uh, like totally grateful all the time that I live in the United States. Even though, you know, it's not perfect, and especially our our history and what our <laughs> government does without our approval or knowledge, but I'd much rather live here than anywhere else in the world. You know, wouldn't mind going to, like, Sweden or Norway or yeah, somewhere just, like that. But I, think, I, I think they got their shit together. <laughs> the U.S. still. Well, still speaking. Oh, yeah, the U.S. Still <laughs> The west coast of the U.S. Yeah. To put some clarification on that, I spent some time on the east coast. I didn't like it. it just the whole energy, the whole vibe, just wasn't for me. San Diego is pretty awesome. San Diego is fucking especially, legit. Especially the Mexican food. Oh yeah, you cannot beat the Mexican food. <laughs> Up in Washington, it's got pretty scenery, wonderful forests. Sometimes schizophrenic weather, but I missed that. 
Here there is no weather. It doesn't exist. I'm okay with that. Anyways, um, we are an hour in to our first. This is like our beta episode <laughs> because we literally just winged it. We have no idea what we're doing. We just started talking. This is literally our first um, Google. Every stream. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever even seen a Google Hangout. I've never even seen a Google Hangout. <laughs> it's her idea. So we're just like, let's do it. Let's do like, it, goddammit. Okay. We need to do something. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's fucking we're, we're being the change. Yeah. <laughs> we're just talking about shit on the internet. And hopefully uh, opening some minds. Or at least, or, uh, like, you know, giving someone... <laughs> My the only thing I want to do is get people to think about things that maybe they haven't thought about before, or in a different way. Yeah, that's all a I hope. That's all I hope to do by just sharing my perspective. I don't give a shit if they like what I'm saying. They like me. They think I'm ugly. <laughs> it's just you know putting it out there because that's all I can do. Well, yeah. Right now it is. Yeah. Right. With now. our resources. With our resources. We should do this with the Oculus Rift somehow. Anyways, <laughs> let's get back on topic. The world. The world in general. Hmm. I should do one of those drawings for I should it. Buy a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I should buy a boat. It says there's a viewer. Yep. If you're there, viewer, do something. We'll wait for you. <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, the world in general. What about it? Um, it's a crazy place. It's a crazy, crazy place. Lots of people. Lots of mouths to feed. Lots um, of egos. Lots of egos. Aww. We have egos. Yes. Yes. That thing's probably not even right. Yeah, it's probably delayed. Whatever. We'll delay it or do a script anymore. Maybe. <laughs> um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Well, I think I'm, we're going to end it there. What do you think? Sure. I don't know what else to talk about. Unless somebody has a question. Yeah, unless you have a question. Unless anybody has any questions. Wait, should bring up the Q&A? Blue one. Nope. Oh, wait. Oh, oh no! Okay. So, Alex. <laughs> Apparently, Alex. Alex. <laughs> okay. We can fucking totally see you now. We were looking at the chat the whole time. There's, like, no indication. That's lame. <laughs> Is he still on? You should like text him or something. 
<laughs> Selecting question. Give me a sign, guys. This is your sign, Alex. <laughs> I had a feeling that that was fucking like, like, I was like, what? Shake your Uncle Bruce. <laughs> oh, we did. There's a lot of us, really? A lot of us. <laughs> and then Vince was like, you guys are awesome. That's crazy. It, only, it doesn't even show <laughs> yeah, that you guys so, like, are watching. one or two viewers, and we're like, I guess we're just talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought the whole time. Whatever, I guess it works that way. <laughs> Well, anyway, can you talk about oneness? Can, how can we move from the one percent and ninety-nine percent? What is going on? Huh. Oh. All right, so we're gonna start looking at the questions now, legit. And I'm gonna try and do this right. Okay. Can we talk about the common spirituality that re religions are rooted from? Yes. Wait, we what can. Was the question? Sorry. Can we talk about the common spirituality that all religions are rooted from? Oh, good question, Alex. <laughs> I believe that is very important, and it's actually one of my um, not necessarily passions, but it's I don't know. It just makes sense that. At one point, we were all the unified human race, if separate, but still like kind of on the same page with everything. And then as we fragmented away and consciousness began to sort of slip, slip downwards, we um, just developed our own stories about it. At least this is just my opinion on things. But I feel that all the different religions all over the world are saying the same thing, just in an alien way to each other. And I don't understand why, well, I mean, I guess I could understand why people just look at it, things in just a verbatim, like literal translation. What do you think? Um, well, I was I thought of uh, Dr. Michael Rice, who uh, he studied like what the Aramaic um, yes. translation of the Bible and stuff, and he says that like like sin is an archery term, and that means like off the mark, like you miss the target. So, and he's saying that the target is love. So anything that isn't love is sin. So if you, if you hate your neighbor for being gay, then that's sinning. <laughs> like, that just like totally makes sense to me. And it's, it's so simple because that's all Jesus ever talked about. Just love your neighbor. Like, love don't everybody. Be a, don't be a hypocrite. Yeah, don't be a hypocrite. Don't judge people. Don't Stuff judge like people by what they say. Yeah. Or like even 
like well, I'm not sure. not totally, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. I guess what I'm trying to say is is that you can't, at least in my opinion, you can't just not ever make judgments about people to some respect, but you just don't let that like. I don't know. For me, to me, that's like <sighs> rough waters. You know, people say don't judge people, but it's like if somebody does something in front of me that would make me judge them to be a certain way, is that necessarily a bad thing? Like, if a guy gets caught being a pedophile and fucking gets arrested for it and he's proven that he's a pedophile, you know, it's like I'm going to judge him as a pedophile. That may not necessarily change how I act towards him because I will still treat him with the same respect that everything deserves but it's still there the judgment's still there you know what i'm trying to say yeah but well like so you wouldn't i wouldn't leave him alone with my kid yeah that's what i'm saying it's true but i think that we should treat pedophiles like they're they're sick people. oh we, we do yeah, yeah definitely not like criminals per se because i don't think anybody I personally don't think that anybody's really evil. It's just that they're either like kind of like deranged, like twisted, that you know, like they're sick, you know, or like um, they're just like misled, or like you know, like they have a very particular, um, like they had a, a particular environment that caused them to be like that. So it's not really their fault. Even though they are making, you know, the making the choices now, but you know, it's a it's like a gray area. So we should try to help them, like overcome that, or at least like stop them from doing those things. But not necessarily like kill them or punish them for you know acting out their subconscious minds, because that's basically what we all are. We we just act out our subconscious minds. I know, I have, well, since we're on the top of the pedophiles, <laughs> on this whole thing, we kind of got away from the whole oneness religion part, but we'll get back to that. But I just wanted to keep running with this, but it's like, I knew pedophiles, convicted pedophiles, you know, they just would tell you it, because in their minds, they felt that there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. And that's just all there was to it. They couldn't understand that what they were doing was wrong in their minds. And that kind of, that translates to everything. It's just, you know, I think the whole treating people as criminals bit is primitive. And putting them all in one spot is just making it worse. Yeah. Like rehabilitation is what they need. They need to be taken away from people, you know, so they can stop doing damage, but in an environment that's conducive for healing and change. Very individualized. Not that would take demonized. Yeah, that would, like they need to be surrounded by like love and acceptance and like you know support because that's the only real way people will change. It's like yeah, they need to be in an environment that helps them understand. So someone <laughs> asked if they were turning twenty. You could, you could click select. No, oh, there we go. We're selecting this one because <laughs> it was I think it was the first one. <laughs> Turning 22 next May. I don't even know if you're still watching anymore, David. But any ideas for your next birthday? 
Well, you're already 21, so that's out of the way. I don't know. Uh, whatever. <laughs> take a, take a, um, what do you call it? Go on a cruise. <laughs> that's what I would do. Go to Burning Man. Yeah, go to Burning Man. <laughs> Burning Man or some oh, local ooh, Burning like Man. A really or... epic hike or something, like deep in the forest. <laughs> Yes, Alex. Criminals need heavy doses of DMT. <laughs> yeah. Multiple heavy doses. And then let them think about it really deep. <laughs> I, I, I vote Alex Lipton for president. <laughs> With Uncle Bruce as his uh, vice advisor. <laughs> his vice president? No, not vice president. His groupie. <laughs> whatever, that, whatever that means. Okay, more questions. Common spirituality rooted from all religions. I mean, it literally all is the same thing to me. They, I mean, I, I don't know too much about, for instance, um, like the Quran. I, I honestly don't know much about it. It's, yeah, I don't know enough to talk about it. I've done I, know, I know somebody that uh, read it and he said it's just about love too. That's all I yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I've read a fair good chunk of the Bible because I was at a point where I had nothing literally else to do. <laughs> so I just dove into it. Most of the Old Testament was just pretty brutal, pretty cool, but didn't very make very much sense to me. In the literal translation and with the context I had I don't know I just skipped through most of it but the New Testament the shit about Jesus and some of the just you know like the Psalms and some of the stuff they were saying in there was making sense but I also went into this knowing that at some point many points that people had changed the shit to either meet their agenda or they thought like maybe not even with ill intentions they were just like People probably won't understand what this means. We have to change it. And twisted it into what it is today. I think that most people misunderstood what it originally meant, like like the Bible and stuff. And, uh, so then it just slowly changed, like the interpretation, the modern interpretation slowly changed into what it is now. <laughs> Where it is very judgmental and very constricting and very unloving even though they think that it's love but I think love is just neutral being totally neutral I could see love being neutrality either no way but you know love I think love is everything to be honest with you I think that every everything including the deepest darkest worst times of things is just another form of love because it's like you know, like the dark night of the soul, as people like to call it, sucks. It's horrible, and it's the last place you want to be. But it helps shape you into what you become. You know, without it, you wouldn't be able to get to where you were going. To me, that's love, just the universal form of tough love. That's what we need a lot more that's of, true. I believe, in this <laughs> world, is tough love. I think we'll get plenty of that soon. <laughs> well, start. You know, uh, Vince has a question. You. What's Vince's question? He said, "What are some tools to open our third eye?" 
Well, they're pretty simple. Meditation is obviously critically important, but for me, it was just an open mind on the whole area of um, the third eye and the chakras in general. I went into I went into all of this with no understanding of how any of this worked, what it was, why it was there, nothing. I only knew it was a thing and that if I did this thing, it could open this thing and something would happen. And I just sort of went into it like a child, just completely innocent of the fool. The fool. <laughs> just let's do this, you know. I don't I don't there was no negative self talk about whatever. And no pre preconceived that's, notions. That's your greatest tool is just a totally open mind about the third eye in general. But I can share with you real quick about how I opened my third eye. It's simple. It, it, I recommend like putting something over your eyes so it's perfectly pitch black. And then to um, imagine like looking up with your eyeballs. Some, some people say that you can just actually look up with your eyeballs. But I just imagine like my eye was in the middle of my head and I was looking at my forehead as if it was a television screen. And I was breathe as I took a breath, I was, I imagined energy sucking in to right here. Because that's about generally the area. Yeah, like that. Yeah, your pineal <laughs> gland is like right in the middle of your brain. So it's like right, right there, in there somewhere. And I just imagine breathing energy into it and then, you know, exhaling bad energy that I didn't want. It was no good. And I just kept on doing that. And if you do that consistently enough, just focus all and like all of your uh, intention, like right here. You know, you just even thinking about it makes makes me feel a, the, oh, a pressure. The intention. Yeah, the intention. How do I get rid of this? But um, <laughs> that's that's all I really got for the third eye bit. I think for me, I just focused like on my physical pineal gland like where I imagined it and uh, I think I think it's mostly the intention oh yeah that, that's, that's big too. That, is, uh, that helps um, I don't know I think some people have had issues with it but I think it's because they were trying way too hard so you just gotta like let it happen. <laughs> yeah, if it it'll happen when it happens, and it shouldn't take or require too much effort to achieve. And that's another thing I can say too is just knowing when the right moment is, and it happens differently for everyone else. Some people, I mean, psychedelics and drugs and stuff like that, open it up. DMT, ayahuasca, sometimes. Opens that shit up, clears it out. It just depends on you and where where you're at. But that's what I got for that. Thanks for your question. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> this is so much easier now that you guys that I know you guys are watching and asking questions.
How can we move from the one percent and the ninety-nine cent percent into the one hundred percent? Oh my God, that time and effort and patience. I mean, because it is the way it is, I, you know, we were talking about it earlier, you know, just being the expression of love and compassion. Um, I think that we also need to be more understanding, like, you know, the 99% should also be more understanding of the 1%. Like, even though, you know, they have all this power and money, they also have a lot of pressure and, like, I think most people forget that they're people too. Like, we have this marketing book called No BS Guide to Marketing to the Affluent. And it basically just takes you, it helps you understand the psychology of like millionaires and like other wealthy people. And they're basically exactly like normal people too. They, they are very fearful. They have, they're very insecure. They're very like, they love, you know, their hobbies. It's just like the only real difference is like maybe like what they do for a living or like, you know, what they, their knowledge about knowledgeable about and that they have so much money so they're able to just like focus on like focus their money and buy like ridiculous things but it's like you know like they they buy those things because they want to um they want to be special everybody wants to be special feel special that's why they want to like have they want things that they can't have or like what other people have what they can't have you know stuff like that so it's like you know like the whole occupy wall street thing they're blaming all of their problems on these wall street people when you know they should also take responsibility for their lives because they have made choices they helped enable them some of them to be in their position yeah even if it is something as minor as buying a cheeseburger it still helped them get there. Yeah. It's mostly because they're ignorant of certain things, you know? Or, like, maybe the wealthy people just, like, set things up to, like, um, help their business out. But it's, like, you know, like, people could start businesses and or, like, I don't know. There's a lot of choices we can make especially collectively in, in large numbers they're at least like force things to change in like uh like in more lasting ways not like standing in the middle of the five interstate and like <laughs> holding hands and holding hands and blocking everybody <laughs> that is not how you make change that's how you, well that's how you make bad change that's not how you uh change the world that's just how you ruin a normal person's day <laughs> um but also i think that the whole system is just going to collapse one day because it's built so top heavy it just can't last forever the, the foundation is made of sand it's going to crumble under the weight eventually yeah, but like you our, know 
the debt ceiling is just like it's not a real ceiling it's just like a arbitrary number where we say okay this is where we draw the line for the debt but it's like as long as we're still giving like as long as we're still using federal reserve notes then <laughs> it's just gonna the debt is just gonna get bigger and bigger until the economy collapses and the, it's like it's going to happen eventually or at least you know that monetary system but um i think if we use other like monetary products like bitcoin that might change things and i think that's why the federal reserve people are just totally lying about bitcoin and stuff like that saying like oh it's it's centralized and blah blah basically everything that the federal reserve is but they don't uh <laughs> but it's a lie because bitcoin's the opposite of that they're just threatened it by it because that is their business sing it sister <laughs> so Alex wants to know how important is the psychedelic experience to us? Well, to us personally, to me, to me personally, it's probably one of the most important things that you can do in this day and age. Not well, to me, it's a medicine. If you take it for medicinal purposes, you will get, you know, a equal and opposite reaction. But at the same time, it's not something to be taken lightly of. Not for funsies. Not for, well, I mean, you can take it for fun. That's not yeah. a bad thing. It's just. It needs to be respected. It needs to be respected. You know, the potential there is equal on both sides. But it's pivotal to where I am today. Like, if I hadn't done acid every other week for like six months, I don't think I'd be where I would have been right now. And then the mushrooms that were in between and the copious amounts of marijuana and <laughs> several trips on salvia, you know, that shit changed <laughs> my brain, literally. Put and, in a good way. Put in a good way. And I think that it's a medicine for the mind, which is more important than people can, I mean, that we even understand and um, so, far. so far I mean I think it, to me it's a limit to me it's endless I think once you figure something out it just keeps going. Going, going but anyways yeah to me it's just I don't know all the interesting people I've ever met have done lots of psychedelics and I, I, I can see them I can see in their eyes I'm just like that guy's done a shitload of something <laughs> his mind has been some places Pretty much everybody that I know that has done psychedelics at least once are like almost more mature. Like they they just understand things. They're less neurotic, stuff like that. Um, and one interesting thing about mushrooms, like uh, scientifically, it basically just opens up your mind to like expose you to more of what's already going on in your head so it's like it's not really like creating all these hallucinations or anything like that it's just like uh you're just like you're just seeing more of your brain so 
in that way you can like make new connections and like <laughs> uh I know it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um basically just like fix your brain and and see things in a different way which is is good because when you only see your life in one perspective you're going to be very small minded and um, probably not very happy. A lot of small minded people are very unhappy. And I think that psychedelics have a lot to, um, that, or they have a lot of potential to fix a lot of people mentally, which will, cause, and our, our minds are like the, the foundation of like our entire being it seems like like if you know if our if we're mentally all there then everything will work out <laughs> so it it's very important and i think everybody should experience it i do too under certain circumstances i think we should put in the water supply <laughs> for like a week just whatever happens happens <laughs> Just throw a crystal of acid in there. <laughs> or two. You never, you never know. It's a lot of water. It's a lot of acid. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Um, what the fuck was I going to say? Um, oh, yeah. We, we plan on doing this regularly. And I don't know. Bi-weekly, maybe. Depends on our schedules. But we want to do this at least Probably twice a week. Sundays. Probably Sundays, because that's just the only day we seem to both have off. And we just want to kind of get a series going. This one was literally just, we were just winging it. She was just like, what should we do it on? I was like, nothing. Just pick the world in general, and then we could just go and see what happens. And then we could pick out topics that we naturally just steer towards and make, you know, full episodes about them. Yay! So invite your friends. <laughs> and it'll be posted on YouTube. So yeah, it'll be archived. Yeah. So we can share them. That type of thing. Do we have any more any more questions? Hmm. More questions. Revolution and evolution. Is there a difference between revolution and evolution? Well, to me, they're kind of the same thing. To me, revolution is just like the action towards ultimately achieving some state of evolution. To me, revolution is just when things are just like fed up, just can't take it anymore. Drastic change. Just drastic immediate change because evolution is being stunted and that like is the, the ultimate, way to push through. Yeah, it's the ultimate way yeah. to break through or die. Either way. That's just to me what that if you if you were to ask me that question, that's what I would say. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Three messages. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, read that. <laughs> Read it, just read it out loud. No, I don't read it out loud. Oh, okay. Just a lot to read for us. Both are just sitting here and just stare at it. 
But yeah, it's uh, we just we decided to do this because we just wanted to do something, and I seem to get the best results out of things when I talk. The people, the people listen. We always seem to blow people's minds. Yeah, especially when we're together. We just <laughs> this is the first thing that we've decided to do is a is a duo, because normally it's me doing my thing or her trying to do her thing or her trying to help me or vice versa. And we were both just like, why don't we just do it together? See what happens, because everyone seems to think we're just like the coolest <laughs> couple or something. But yeah, we're gonna make a habit out of it. Any more questions? Anybody got nothing for us? We got about twenty minutes before we we're gonna cut this off, unless for some reason something happens and we don't. <laughs> unless we get really deep into things. Yeah, but. Um, There's only so much we can talk about at one time before it's just yeah, like for two hours, <laughs> especially with each other since we're always like we live with each other. Yeah, we, we talk about this shit all the time, and then that's why I mentioned it. I was like, why don't we talk about what we talk about just on a regular basis in front of a camera and see what happens. <laughs> It's true. It's a true fact. What are you drinking? Kabucha. I don't know if this violates any YouTube copyright laws, but I don't really care. Oh, it's backwards. What the hell? Maybe it's just backwards for us. Maybe it so. is. <laughs> Kabucha. It's a probiotic tea. It's only got two grams of sugar in it, but it, I don't know. It's addictive. It's really, really good. And we'd also like to have guests. Oh, yeah, we want to have guests. <laughs> Either via the internet or in person. In person, preferably, like, yeah. as it would be cooler, just in general. We could have a party or something, get, get drunk <laughs> before or after. <laughs> Don't matter. What would you guys like to see? For who? Or a certain or just topic. What, yeah, what, what do you want to what do you want us to talk about in the future? <laughs> I mean, we have all the obvious ones: extraterrestrials, um, psychedelics. We want to dive into hardcore, and I want to go deeper into my experiences with it, as I'm sure you do too. Sure. And then um, I don't know, deeper into the religions. Maybe even delve into some, some conspiracy theories. <laughs> You know, the, a little grounded with it, but not too, you know, Maybe, uh, far out there. Lion stuff. Oh, <laughs> lion stuff too. I love. I'm fascinated with Atlantis and Lumeria. Those are just. I cannot get enough information about them. <laughs> we can have um, Raymond Tarpey. He's a um, Mayan, Mayan and Chinese historian. And he preaches about the connection between the similarities between China, ancient China, and ancient Maya, and how it was because of Lumeria that they originate from the same place. And he talks a lot about that. He also gives Maya astrology readings and blow your mind. Just put it that way. 
minds will be blown. <laughs> we got messages. Yep. I love technology. Alex wants to be on our show. <laughs> Alex, we could probably squeeze you in. <laughs> we got an extra chair in the back. <laughs> and for those who don't know who Alex is, he is Dr. Bruce Lipton's nephew. No way. AKA uh, Uncle Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have the cat. She doesn't. Too much. <laughs> he doesn't get too many fucks up. I love the show. Uh, we, love you. we love you too, Alex. <laughs> Wait, are they coming from the top or the bottom? I think it's the bottom. Oh, they are. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I've been missing all what you've been saying. Okay, religions doing the difference between doing and being. Well, I mean, to me. They can be the same thing at the same time. You can still, you can do and be if you're good enough. But generally, I have a hard time with that. I'm either doing something. But being to me is just it's like, consciously living. Yeah. And it's, it's more passive than doing. Yeah. Like being is feels more feminine and doing is more masculine. So you need to be both. You need to do both in order to, to really change. You just have to balance it out. Doing and being. Doing too much is very stressful. Being too much is stressful in its own right. Like you just sit there and be, but it's extraordinarily you know, stressful on you, especially your body. You have to do something. What it was made for. Um, unconditional love is everything. It is everything, in my opinion. But it's just like I was saying before. It's not what some people's general understanding of love might be. They, they, you know, good. They think there's good and bad, but either neither really exists. It's all in your head. And That's another people, topic for another show too. <laughs> and some people think that love sucks. Yeah, some people but, think that love's nasty, but like other negative things are the best in the world. It's just a matter of perspective. Are there any video games specifically that resonate with all of this consciousness stuff? I think the first one, at least that I noticed, was Assassin's Creed. I thought the same. <laughs> that one blew my mind. If anybody who doesn't know what Assassin's Creed is, it's, um, how would you describe it? It's like a subconscious expression of not only past lives, but the like, it kind of, it, it goes into conspiracy theories too, about how the world is the way it is, not by accident because of design. People wanted it people to be this way. Things. People controlling it and pulling the strings. And sort of like a hidden inner battle going on. All, you know, but it it just I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't played it, but it just <laughs> it blew my fucking mind when I played it. Just like the and only you, the only time I played a video game has just been like 
Whoa. As soon as you started, yeah. Not as soon as I started, well, it was like, like you know, well, in twenty minutes, yeah. yeah, it was really awesome, <laughs> cool game to play. But just as the story in and out of the animus just progressed, it's just like it's yeah. amazing. That's and, probably the best one. And it's probably like the only game I've ever heard of that actually uses your intuition. <laughs> like you, uh, it's like a yeah, it's a game mechanic where um, when you like turn it on. You see people who are more aggressive, and they're like, they're visually like red, like they have a red aura about them, or like people who are friendly towards you, who or who who would help you have like, um, was it blue or gold or something, something like gold that. are very important people. Oh yeah, gold is very important people, and I think it was blue, blue is, that was really helpful yeah. for people. So, um, yeah. <laughs> And the past lives thing was, was really cool. I can sculpt the aliens, I saw. <laughs> it's very vivid in my mind. <laughs> Some of them are, anyways. There must have been something there. If you've never played Assassin's Creed, Vince, <laughs> maybe that's a sign. Maybe at least look up the video. Or at least on just, YouTube? yeah, you don't even have to play the game. You can just watch the storyline on YouTube. And I guarantee you, it will blow your fucking mind. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> but uh, there's also um, as far as video games con are concerned, there's that's like the biggest potential for raising awareness of just humanity, humanity yeah. in general because it's immersive. It's not quite like a movie where you're just sort of passively watching it. You're actively engaged in it and you have to make choices. There's a huge potential there to not indoctrinate, but um, persuade the populace to open their eyes a certain way. When I play Dwarf Fortress, it makes me think that life is kind of like, it's kind of similar the way it's set up. Basically, Dwarf Fortress is like a, a simulator where you like, it simulates like a, a world and you have you start off with like seven dwarves who are basically like they're kind of independent and you can kind of tell them what to do but not really they're pretty like you know they they do what they need to do based on their logic and whatnot but you you just like influence them essentially to um you're like you're like their their will <laughs> And you will them towards like like oh we need to collect like wood so go like chop down trees so they all start doing that if if they uh, if they they're not to. preoccupied with something yeah. more important like yeah. getting food or killing something killing something <laughs> or like monitoring your baby yeah. in some way and but like, to put emphasis on this world that's generated it's like a Lord of the Rings style war like level fantasy fantasy level but it's it, it it generates hundreds of thousands of like individual units characters and hundred or thousands of like these mythical beasts that are randomly generated like a flying giant uh, iguana with a poisonous stinger on its tail with its ribs on the outside of its body and then it creates like accurate geological 
formations of rock, mountains, water, erosion over time, thousands of years. Like all the, the rocks and the minerals that are in the world today are generated in the game, so it's all realistic, sedimentary, igneous, all that type of stuff. And then, and then there's like historical figures that do stuff, like, and all, like, basically they just like, they're just living and then they like, um, they interact with things and they do things and they, and like that becomes their history. So then like the dwarves you start off with are just like their ancestor or like, you know, their uh, lineage. And, and you then, can go back into the history and find their lineage where they came from originally. And the whole reason why I brought this up was is because it's like, you know, uh, you you are only like seeing a very small point in time in the grand scheme of things and you like like the only reason they are even like important is because you are are like um, observing it and you're like influencing it so you like make an emotional connection and you I don't know. Like it's hard to describe. Each, <laughs> each dwarf has a set of stats, likes, dislikes, preferences, family members. You know, it'll be like they like bats for their for their mystery, and it dislikes bear because of their bears. <laughs> and you know, it's it, they they like to eat this. They have emotions that they express. So if they witness somebody die next to them, and if there's really no emotional attachment, they'll be like, "Oh, I witnessed death today." It wasn't too bad, but if it was like their kid and they're like, you know, they're absolutely traumatized. traumatized and it sticks to them and then it carries it on. It's like a the closest life simulator game that you can possibly get to. And it, it like, my buddy was playing it and he had a world, I'm not sure why I'm talking about it, I'm just gonna <laughs> keep going with this, but he, he had this world and these goblin invaders came and to kind of give you a scope of how impressionable all these simulated people are, there was a there was a, a goblin invasion came and the goblin king was with them and this bull, it was just a ox bull that was like um, out in the field grazing out in front of his castle, and they attacked that bull first, but the bull wasn't gonna just die without goring the motherfucker, <laughs> so it gets into this epic battle with the. The Goblin King, and after a few pages of combat description, because it tells you everything that happens, the bull kills the Goblin King, and then eventually they kill the bull. But then he fends off the um, Goblin attackers, and then X amount of years goes by, and another Goblin wave comes and it tries to attack his castle. He kills them all, but on one of the Goblins that sort of took over the King was an artifact. It was a it was a breastplate. And it was made out of like um, metal and bone, and engraved in the bone was an image. Uh, it, it, it describes what's on the uh, artifact. It was an image of a battle between the um, bull and the goblin king, and it, it was a showing like the bull striking a triumphant pose as it you know struck down the, the oh. goblin king, and so. That game, I don't know, consciously, it's like a simulated, simpler world that we live in. It's like a very complex ant farm. Extremely <laughs> complex ant farm. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And awesome. And awesome. It's 
got a learning curve about the size of Mount Everest, though. So it <laughs> takes a couple of days to get into. What's the name of the dwarf game again? Uh, dwarf, dwarf Fortress. Yeah, it's called Slaves to Armok 2, <laughs> technically, but Dwarf Fortress is what it is. It's free. It's like the like the the love child of like these brothers who've been making it for over 12 years. Just get the lazy noob pack. <laughs> follow you, a tutorial. Follow a tutorial <laughs> online. Are you gonna draw Mandala on the show? <laughs> that could be one. Mm. one uh, hold on, I'm gonna show you like the one I was gonna show. Oh you. yeah. Oh. It's gonna be like infinite reflection. Yeah, <laughs> infinite reflection. It's kind of hard to see with the glare, but that's my most recent one, and it's printed on aluminium. It's kind of hard to tell on the camera, but it has a finish that's just like you can't beat like it. Almost like a screen. Yeah, it's like a screen. It, the colors are more vibrant than I've seen ever before on any kind of other print. But, I mean, drawing mandalas can take up to days, so I don't know if I would ever draw one on the show. I might, I might like, well, well, the thing with the mandalas is, is that I don't have to um, draw one about a person. I can draw one about an event, the world in general, and I can still read what's in it the same as if it were, if it were a person. I haven't done too much of those yet because I haven't had anyone else to share it with. I'm always just tell to myself, but I'm like, I already know all this. <laughs> so it's it's something we can experiment with. See, they pop up randomly. They don't pop well, up at the bottom. Uh, they just pop up uh, like in the middle of the question list. Then make sure you hit like select it and then hit done. Select like, it, done. I guess hit delete. Delete question. I say want to delete it. <laughs> just, just, just talk about Atlantis. <laughs> Atlantis. That's an well, interesting. Like in the yes, that's a whole other. <laughs> I yeah, I love Atlantis. I don't know why. It always fascinated me when I was a kid. I watched some TV show about it it like blew my mind <laughs> especially with the bermuda triangle and stuff like that my dad used to said he when he was in the navy he would go through the bermuda triangle and he said it was very strange he said you know, all, all the instruments would just go completely berserk and haywire there was no radio and sometimes they would hear weird noises like off in the distance just like this low low hums it was just the most bizarre thing he said he's ever experienced mm. I personally don't want to go anywhere near it. I just have a feeling that it's just not necessarily bad. It's just like you know, walking into a nuclear reactor. You just don't do that. Just don't go there. Unless you want to wind up in some random point in the universe, warp through space and time, or end up in the middle of the uh, planet. I'm hungry. I'm starving. <laughs> Well, it's almost six o'clock. Yeah, so we're almost we're gonna wind we're gonna wind it down. Okay, 
we miss anything? Let me show epic <laughs> Thanks, Alex, Does for all your Vince questions. have anything to say? Uh, not anything okay. else. Well, Vince, <laughs> to reiterate, especially it has to do with what we were talking about um, the last time we met, aliens. That's all I'll say. Okay. Um, what was I going to tell Vince? I was going to tell him something, remember? Before we left the last time? But we were like already in the car and we just said, we're going to wait. Uh, it was something really important, but I totally <laughs> forgot what was it was. Was it about aliens? I don't remember. I think I was like trying to remind you to. Tell him, but we didn't get a chance. No, it was about, it was something like, I remember I was like, oh, that was what I forgot to tell Vince. And then <laughs> we were like, no, nah, it's probably already gone. So we were just like, next time. But I don't remember what that is now. I don't know if it was about aliens or if it was about what. <laughs> I guess it just isn't meant to be right now. We'll remember. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably remember after we get done with this. As soon as we... Yeah, as soon as we get stopped broadcasting. <laughs> that is awesome. That's what we were going to tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're awesome. That's right. <laughs> you said I should... Oh, it was about uh, the people in the break. That what they saw. Oh, <laughs> that's <all> right. <laughs> yeah, well, I was in military prison for a while. And there was a guy in there that I met. His name was, I can't remember, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter now. But he, we clicked. We were, he was one of the few guys in there that wasn't just either completely racist or a pedophile. a pedophile or cold stone killer, stone cold killer. Anyways, he came up, we started talking about conspiracy theories and shit just randomly one day while there was nothing to do most of the time. And he mentioned that he knew a guy that was in the Air Force. And this guy who was in the Air Force was like top-level, top security guard at the Pentagon. And there was two particular things that he said that, you know, were going on there. But one of which was that he was in a briefing room at the Pentagon. And one day the president shows up in his little entourage. And they go inside this room. And his job was to stand at the door and guard it. He wasn't, they told him not to look at anywhere else except right in front of him. And so he did. And to the right of them was a screen. There was like a table in front of him. And um, it was about the, uh, he could overhear what they were talking about. And it was about the first Mars rover that was there. And he said out of the corner of his eye, he could see this tape playing of the Mars rover. You know, it's been supposedly stuck in one spot for a long period of time. Well, he says out of the corner of his eye, he sees like, you know, the red, you know, like landscape. The, the, the landscape in the in the thing. But then um, I don't know if it was red or not. I can't remember if it was black and white. But he just says he sees that out of the corner of his eye. And then he sees a figure pass in front of it. Like it just like something walked in front of it. And then the feed would, it died. Like it just cut out. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> no way. And then he said he actually saw the, vinegar, the video of the um, 
missile hitting the Pentagon. Not the like cut, edited one, the actual one where you see the missile like hit. Like a different video? No, it was the same video. Oh. It's just they cut it and edited it oh, in like a way. Yeah, so you couldn't actually see the missile. You see like the, the smoke in one of the frames, but in this one you actually see it come in and hit it. Yeah. That's what I want to tell you. <laughs> but uh yeah we're gonna well, six <laughs> we're gonna go <laughs> i'm hungry i need to eat and i have no idea what to cook so thanks for watching guys thanks was, for all your questions yeah it was awesome invite your friends and we'll um We'll have something for you next weekend. We'll schedule it further ahead. Too. Yeah, <laughs> schedule it further ahead so you guys know more in advance. But it means a lot yes. that you're here. I wasn't expecting you guys to come. <laughs> I wasn't expecting anyone to come. We were just doing it for YouTube's sake. Yay. So, yeah. And yes, we have seen Interstellar. It was oh, yeah, we saw Interstellar, and it was fucking amazing. Like, blew my mind the entire time. I, I want to watch it again. I want to go back and just absorb the whole thing again. Just because it won't be as good if you're not in the theater. Just the way it's shot just requires a big-ass screen and really loud speakers. But everything about that movie was awesome, except, in my opinion, for the last 10 minutes. I thought it was really cool. You know how he came... Well, I probably shouldn't yeah. say anything. But anyways, I'll explain that later <laughs> when there's you know no spoilers for sure. Unless Vince has seen it. Oh yeah, he has seen it. Yeah. Well the last ten minutes where you know he comes back and Wait, has he? I don't know. Yeah, he told us. Yeah, he did. But if he hasn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he technically kinda of spoiled it for us a little too, so anyways, the last ten minutes where he comes back out of the, you know, singularity I thought that if they had just ended the movie right then and there, it would have been perfect. But instead, they he went, back, he went back, you know, to Earth or wherever they found him. They didn't explain anything about where they found him, how they found him. Yeah, they did. They said they just found him like low on oxygen, and and Tars was broken. But you know, <laughs> I was like, that explains it. I don't know. If, if they had it continued for another hour, that would be perfect. But it just felt it just felt like they were trying to make like an eight hour movie into like three hours. But other than that, it was amazing. Everything. I loved it. We should we should get like a group group. You know. Anyways, we're gonna go now. So uh goodbye. Bye.